See, I like that they went Vichy Suave. They didn't go with the obvious gazpacho reference. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. And they talked about something else called boobies. The Sequel Cast. It's the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. This is a uh, podcast where we talk about movies in a franchise one movie at a time. We're currently in the middle of a retro uh, Batman cycle, so we're focusing on Batman Returns. This movie was from 19... 92. 1992, that's right. And it was directed by Tim Burton, written by Daniel Waters from a story by Sam Hamm and Daniel Sam Waters. Sam Hamm. Sam Hamm, yes. Sam Hamm. Sam Hamm, I am. And, he had a um, rivalry with Great Bait. The biggest <laughs> rivalry known to man. Uh, be sure to check out the website, SequelCast.com. Look up SequelCast on iTunes. Send us an email, SequelCast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher. Howdy. And Charles uh, Chip Shrek. You can just call me Chip. And Chip. Good old Chip. We were covering Batman Returns. Um, you know, last time we covered the uh, the Batman movie with uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And uh, Batman Returns, while the original Batman was um, directed by Tim Burton and so is Batman Returns, this one feels certainly more like a Tim Burton film. Oh, yeah. It's much more like... The color's kind of gone from the garishness of the Joker. You have a lot more big-headed people. There's more protests. Actually, I saw saw a picture of the Batman um, Forever costume. Uh, (laughs) And I was was remembering how good the Batman costume in this, and all the costumes, really, because they they lacked color, but they didn't lack uh, definition or things that made them really unique. Mm. I mean, um, law number one, Catwoman's costume is so memorable. But then oh, also, yeah. uh, Penguin, with his uh, fur coat, waterlogged fur coat, and and Batman, just really dark, and the cape just, the effects they did with the cape look just right. Except sometimes you can see the lines, but, but and, the, and the costume design in this is so drab. But it makes the the world seem more gothic. It's so desaturated; it almost looks like it's uh, black and white in parts, with all the snow in the city and the black. Well, we as well. That'd be an interesting experiment to just watch this film in black and white. I, I bet it would come across very well. Well, Roger Ebert actually said the movie was trying to be uh, film noir, but was unsuccessful because in film noir. The idea is that all heroes are dead, or what's the, or there are no more heroes. Well, well, the, 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 the heroes time. exist in the lighter side of a gray area when there mm-hmm. are heroes. But even in this, I think I think the, he did make Batman. Even in the last, the uh, first movie, he made Batman more of a gray area. I mean, technically, he does kill. He does kill. I'm making bunny ears. If anybody can. I'm doing quotation marks. He did kill Joker's character uh, in that pot of acid or whatever it was that made him all white and ghastly. And in this one, he's not overtly 
trying to kill anybody, but I guess his safety precautions aren't as controlled as we see in um, uh, Chris Nolan's Batman. Well, you know what I think it is? And I think this is just a side effect from years of action movies. Uh, audiences expect, and filmmakers now expect, that if there's a, a villain in a movie, they have to die at the end. Uh, I, I think they feel like if, if, if the Joker was just kidnapped and locked into Arkham until, until the day he died, that would be viewed as an anticlimax. They want a final resolution. And if that means Batman has to become a murderer just long enough to get that character dead, then it's going to happen. Well, it is very satisfying in a movie most of the time to see the bad, the good guy and the bad guy have a final confrontation and one of them gets finished off. Well, can well, we I actually talk that. about this movie? Because what's really cool is the the real villain in this isn't some masked creep, isn't, isn't really the Penguin or Catwoman or Batman. It's actually a very human foe. Um, if we can talk a little bit about my man, I'm actually... Doing cross, if anybody can see uh, spectacles, testicles, wallet watch, um, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Oh yeah. Before we go into that, I just want to mention uh, the thing that sticks out to me the most about Batman Returns. I was ten years old when this came out. I was living with my grandma in uh, Pennsylvania, and she took me to see this movie. I was like in first grade at the time, Aww. and my grandma is a very Roman Catholic, and she was she was quite horrified at the contents. Of this film, there there were a lot of parents. There was a backlash because of this film. I my, I don't think. Hey, mom, you didn't actually see Batman Returns with me, did you? No. No. Did I go alone? I must have. You always go alone. No, because I remember I was young too. I was I had to be twelve. Um, but we were in the Poconos. That's right. They went to see Fox and the Hound, and I watched Batman Returns. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. I just as a kid, I was really into comic books and and the movie. They didn't. My parents didn't know how bad it was, but it was it was a pretty violent and terrifying movie. Well, I think <laughs> a lot of people in the audience weren't ready for the unbridled eroticism, which was Catwoman. Oh God, yeah. That too, yeah. I just remember that being you know stunning on the screen, and uh, it was the first time I had seen a movie in where it said directed by Tim Burton, and the name of a director really stood out for me, and I was like, hmm. That's pretty interesting. I wonder what this whole directing thing is. So uh, I, I saw that with Spielberg's works. He was the first director to really impress me as a kid. Um, but Tim Burton, yeah, that's when I started to like realize, like, oh, this guy has a really twisted vision. I want to see more movies. And he had done Edward Scissorhands before this, between the two movies. Because um, he didn't want to do a sequel, right? Right, Tim Burton did not want to do a sequel right away, and Edward Scissorhands was a uh, story he'd been working on for a bit, so he did that with uh, with Johnny Depp, and you know, a sort of really a uh, sort of an art house fairy tale movie that uses. Um, is there a lot of snow in that movie? I seem to recall there's snow. Oh, there's snow movie. all up and right. down. Batman Returns. Yeah, with, but in Batman Returns, there's snow, but Edward Scissorhands had a bunch of snow, as well. It? No, it had iconic snow. It had very iconic snow because every time it snowed, it meant Edward Scissorhands was cutting ice with his scissor hands. That's right, and he does the ice sculptures in the yard. Before that, they were stapling cotton onto their roofs. <laughs> well, it was also uh, also has rooftop battles. That yeah. was also... I, I love the architecture of Batman. Uh, I mean, Batman Returns went even more so. 
one thing I noticed is the models. When I, I was watching Batman again, the models look so fake. But but in, in well, the Batman's models look like models. Yeah, they look better. I mean, they're still you can kind of tell some things, but they look a lot better. But one of the things I I realized is you know the plaza scenes. That's a huge soundstage. But I think that's actually the extent of the soundstage, give or take a few more feet for electricals, because you can clearly almost tell the box shape mm. by the plaza. It's really hard to see anything. They didn't like paint any cool uh, backdrops. It's basically just a huge box with a tree and two streets, and I think a tunnel. I think it's cool as Gotham City looked in the uh, Batman movie with Jack Nicholson, and Batman Returns, the snow just adds an extra layer on top of that. That sets a nice, uh, creepy feel. But let's get back to what you're... Well, it's Christmas and New Year's. Yes. So let's get back to what you were talking about. Max Shrek, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek, one of the villains of the piece who is not a supervillain. Sorry, I'm probably breaking the Christopher Walkens every once in a while. Not a problem. We can accept that. We're all walkins here. I, I sense that I may have lost some of you. Walk in this way. No, see, I can't do that. I mean, you never know. Ever. It just, oh, God. I mean, he plays a very human character. We see him as the head of another company that maybe maybe wants to rival Wayne Corps, but um, isn't there yet. But, I mean, they have... A meeting in the movie. So in both, I guess, instances, Batman, Bruce Wayne is battling Shrek as well as Batman is battling the machinations of Shrek. Mm, right. Wow, that was profound. So in both guises, he's fighting the same man. Mm. So when I think of Batman, uh, several of these movies have more than one villain. And Batman Returns, you know, has three, uh, Catwoman, Penguin, and Max Shrek. You think it juggles all three villains uh, well, you know what? compared to some well, of the other films? Well, I'm going I'm to say this. Uh, you know, when you go to see a, a superhero movie, you know it's going to be bad if there's more than one villain. Ooh. Uh, th- think, think about it. You know, Bat- Batman Forever, two villains, a confused mess. Batman and Robin, three signature villains, a confused mess. Spider-Man 3, Multiple villains, a confused mess. However, Batman Returns, not a confused mess. And I think the reason why is, first, there's only actually two villains. Cat, th- this interpretation of Catwoman, I feel, perfectly straddles, wink, wink, say no more, <laughs> the hero-villain divide. She's never quite good. She's never quite bad. She's just as morally motivated as Batman, but her energies are directed in a completely different way. She's often... more like the Punisher. She's an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a she's an anti-hero. She's, she she's blows not up. A, she blows up a shopping mall. She blows up a Macy's, a Shrek's, whatever it's called. But she's very sympathetic in how she, she becomes her? Catwoman. But she's still a psycho bit. Uh, uh, psycho. Uh, yeah, girl. Who's well, beast? But the thing is, so so we have Catwoman, who's not really a villain. Then we have uh, Shrek, who is a a mastermind, but who isn't an over the top costume character. And then we have the the Penguin, who is almost a red herring. You know, no one notices Shrek's machinations because they're all looking at the Penguin. 
When Danny DeVito as the Penguin, I feel, sometimes gets uh, overlooked in this picture because Michelle Pfeiffer is great as the Catwoman and very sexy, but uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin does a great job of, I don't know if you'd call the character sympathetic, but there's a lot of pathos in that character. Well, his parents dropped his bassinet because of his mutation, where he only has flipper hands. Yeah, I guess, I guess we better, we, we better ex- explain this. Um, this movie, Batman Returns, opens with, with, with a cameo which is lost to time, <laughs> uh, where we see Paul Rubens and his wife give birth to an infant with all we really see of it are these deformed hands and the fact that it kills a cat. And so they decide, rather than put it up for adoption, kill it, send it away to a fancy boarding school in Europe, never to return, they put it in a basket and put it in a river that flows by the Gotham Zoo, where it is taken in by a family of penguins, which has apparently escaped the zoo and is living in the sewers. And I can only assume that when this happened, Gotham was going through a really shitty period where its zoos were crumbling and animals were escaping into the city to fill in bizarre ecological niches. <laughs> and wealthy parents were getting rid of babies. And, and I will admit, uh, I know this isn't the case in the film, but I always imagined that the parents we see were, in fact, Bruce Wade's parents. Actually, funny you should mention that. Hmm. Um, in one of the scripts before the rewrites, one of the ideas was that Penguin would be a Shrek that Penguin would actually be Max Shrek's lost brother, the first child, and that that was going to be the twist, and that's why he wanted revenge on Max Shrek. But, of course, they changed that to having him have a plan that involved uh, finding out who his parents were and finding the names of all the firstborn of Gotham and basically getting rid of them. As he was tossed into the water by his parents, he would have brought death to the city of Gotham in a large scale by kidnapping children. But then again, he has his own crew. Can we talk a little bit about the people in his uh, circus? They're called yeah. the Red Triangle Gang, and it's sort of these uh, evil from. group of circus clowns and circus performers. I recall Vincent the, the big... Chevelli is the organ grinder. Yeah. Um, you've seen him in Ghost. He was in Death to Smoochie. Uh, he's been in a bunch of things. He's dead now, sadly, but... Is he? No. And we, we've we reached that point in the show where someone we've talked about is dead. Man, that's... Wow, okay. But yeah, he played the organ grinder, who was just like overtly kind of creepy, which organ grinders are, and he has a monkey. And the monkey is so crucial to the movie. Um, You've got a lady with a poodle, uh, some strongman, a whole bunch of clowns. I really like the design of the people in the skeleton suits with the huge skeleton heads that are on the motorcycles. Oh, I hated those huge heads because they were just ways to hide that the actors were stuntmen with helmets. Have them go without helmets. I would have made it so much cooler. Again, this movie doesn't really feel like... I don't like the action sequences. There's only one part I like is when the the stilt walker gets uh, burned. No, the fire breather gets burned by the... uh, uh, by the engines on the uh, Batmobile. That's the yes. coolest thing ever. No, didn't that another instance of Batman just murdering someone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to not like, as much as I like this movie, I am now, looking at it as an adult, I'm starting to not like this Batman. <laughs> Do you think it's, it's because the way the Batman suit is designed in this film, that Batman doesn't have, he can't do a whole lot of uh, 
kung fu action moves. No, I think it's because Batman is murdering people. <laughs> it makes me not like him. Well, I'm just saying in regards of what um, you were saying, Chip, about the fight scenes. Well, I mean, they're the one-on-one fights, which are all right, between him and Catwoman, and uh, his fights with... Well, he doesn't really have a fight with Penguin. No, he doesn't have a physical fight. But when he's actually using the weaponry at his disposal, there's a great part where uh, there's a guy with a bomb about to throw uh, a bomb. He he grabs the guy, <laughs> puts the bomb on the guy's chest, and throws him down a sewer where he see a puff of smoke come out. It's like, it's pretty dark. But it's not uh, bloody. I don't think it's... No, as... you don't ever see... Well, you see a guy on fire. Yeah, you see people set on fire and explode, but there's no blood, so it's okay. Well, but oh, as, as dark as there, this movie there is was blood. perceived at the time, it's not nearly as dark as, say, The Dark Knight, which I'm not quite sure how that got away with the PG-13 rating in some sense. And what was the rating on this? This was PG-13, right? Uh, yes. For the time. Um, and then therein lies the flaw of the whole rating system. And then let's look at let's look at uh, Catwoman's origin. Uh, she's a, a, a secretary with good ideas but no confidence, who has absolutely no social life. She has a bunch of cats that come to her window to feed. And when she discovers something about Max Shrek's plans, about him wanting to siphon the electricity from the company or from the city. He throws her out a window. <laughs> and, yeah, you see blood. You see her, like, yeah. badly cut up, and then all the cats come and start licking her. So it's kind of like Spider-Man, right? <laughs> what? She's yeah. licked by diseased-infested cats and becomes yes. cat. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe she isn't traumatized or suffering from brain damage that makes her this erotic, avenging creature. Maybe she has rabies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I never thought about that before. You're absolutely right. Pretty cool. Now, I think all those introductory sequences with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is wonderful. And like um, you were saying, Thrasher, it straddles the line between hero and villain because you have a lot of sympathy for this sort of mousy secretary and that sort of arc she goes from... From mousy to cat. From mousy to bitch cat, yeah. Is a... Well, she's so wicked. I mean, she's, I guess... It's a great performance. Uh, she goes home, like destroys her apartment well, and then well, takes she like out... does a weird version of her daily routine <laughs> cuz she's like imbalanced by then she's kind of in the throes of whatever ah uh, bastardly kind of attitude she's got going what is it she tears up though it was it was a leather she inexplicably has a leather jacket in her in her <laughs> closet possibly from her wild college days cuts that up and stitches it back together into the catwoman outfit and i've often done the math in my head trying to figure out the amount of fat the amount of leather in the jacket and the amount of leather in her outfit she either had an extra set of leather pants she cannibalized or she is a phenomenal uh lunatic seamstress i would have taken a, a chair a leather chair and done it. Or a couch. Well, that would be Nagahide. You'd be wearing a Nagahide cat suit. No, no, no. I mean, an actual, like, a leather, you know, like a leather couch. Like, you know, a couch with leather on it. What's with the silence? I didn't do it. I, I think the plot overall in Batman Returns is better than in Batman. You it have, makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes more sense. You have more Except interesting the... characters. And, um, overall, I think the movie works. I mean, it does 
still do things of showing Bruce Wayne as being a really weird guy. You know, he's like hanging alone. upside down from from his ceiling, for instance. Right, or enjoying having his butler bring him like uh, cold, vichy yeah, soir soup as he's on the computer in his basement. Oh, it's cold. It's vichy soir. It's meant to be cold. Oh, then it's delicious. Yeah. See, I like that they went vichy soir. They didn't go with the obvious gazpacho reference. Um, gazpacho. I think vichy soir, like it sounds better off the tongue than gazpacho. Gaspacho sounds like a villain from the Adam West Batman series. Which oh, speaking of which, did you know that's actually that the the idea of putting Penguin up for mayor by Max Shrek, he wants to I guess put his own candidate up, and after orchestrating a baby being kidnapped and then saved, I'm doing air quotes again, uh, by by the Penguin, the Penguin becomes the hero of the city much more than this Batman. Uh, even though he's a freak. Well, because he doesn't he's, wear a mask. Yeah, he doesn't wear a mask. That's actually one of the bullet points. They want to run him for mayor, and it kind of works. That's actually, But it's actually based on an old Adam West called uh, The Penguin, His Honor, or His Honor... His Honor the Penguin, I believe. His Honor the Penguin. And then the, the next episode is called Dishonor. But yeah, yeah, where the pe- the penguin runs for mayor, and there's a whole thing about the the penguin will kiss babies, but Batman won't. <laughs> and that and that turns. And the thing is, and just like today's abysmal political climate, back in the Batman show, it was turned into a key issue in the race. See again, nothing changes. Nothing changes. So yes, which which deformed dwarf with flipper hands you're going to vote for this this election cycle? And it's like. And he says to the press, he's like, all I want is to find out who my parents were, to find out why they abandoned me. <laughs> he knows, because he's got flipper hands. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't know because he has flipper hands. Because, like, it's not like there's a family of flipper-handed people that's well-known in Gotham. Part of what helps Batman Returns' creepy atmosphere is the music by Danny Elfman. He also did oh, the yeah. music on Batman, but the, the score for Batman Returns in particular... Not only did it have the good, uh, the great Batman march, but it has a lot of creepy children's choir. Which uh, vocals. came out of Danny Elfman's work on Edward Scissorhands. Right. Yep. You were talking about it before being a fairy tale, and how well does it work with uh, the snow? Ah, oh, perfect. That's something I remember. It's so hard. Actually, I bought a tape at a yard sale that is just the theme song to Batman Returns by Danny Elfman. Nice. A single. Yeah, just a single. Huh. Wow. Just a score. That's unusual. I guess it became such a big thing. I mean, the first one had songs by Prince. Do you yes. remember right. hits coming out of this one? No, not thing, but there's really no pop music used in it. It's just the score. Yeah, there's no uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal in this picture. Um, <laughs> that Kiss Me, Kill Me... Something love me. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, but that's for the Batman Forever episode. But, I mean, you, you look at the money these films made. The Batman 1989 with Jack Nicholson, according to BoxOfficeMojo.com, had a production budget of $35 million and made $411 million worldwide. That's uh, not adjusted for inflation, I believe. And Batman Returns uh, had a budget of $80 million and a worldwide gross of $266 million. So it still made a lot of money, but significantly less than the first 
uh, film. It, it only made a king's ransom, not an emperor's ransom. <laughs> sure. Actually, can we play the numbers game a little bit? Um, Go for it. Michael Keaton got a raise to $10 million for this movie. Michelle Pfeiffer, she actually substituted for Annette Benning, who was getting two mil, and then Michelle Pfeiffer got three. And she got a gro- she got a percentage of the box office gross. Oh, you always go for the gross. Never go for the net. The net is fantasy. And I'm not sure how much Danny DeVito got paid. Danny DeVito, um, I-, I saw a All documentary. <laughs> yeah. No, I-, I saw a documentary on Batman Returns that's on the, uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray. And Danny DeVito on there says he wanted to do, he's friends in real life with Jack Nicholson. And he wanted to do a similar lucrative deal with a percentage of the toy of the toy sales and stuff that Jack Nicholson did, uh, but could not get as good of a deal as Jack Nicholson. I think Jack Nicholson from that uh, Batman 1989 film made something like $70 million when all was said and done from, gro- from gross participation and from money from toys and stuff. But I'm sure Danny DeVito didn't get paid like 25 cents. Well, he was paid in raw fish. <laughs> And all the penguins that he could, he could keep in his house. <laughs> With all, and can we talk a little bit about the uh, penguins? Because I got to see uh, one of the movie theaters near me has like a bunch of props just in display cases. They have a penguin. It's about small child size with uh, the uh, uh, optical lenses and the fireworks on its back. Because... That's going to be the big end-all, to, like, destroy Gotham in a fireball of fire. He's going to launch rockets. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is pretty but, ridiculous, but at the same time, fits some of the ridiculous nature of the character. Well, and it makes well, it even more hilarious, because the music is so damn serious with the children choir as these penguins march into formation with the uh, rockets on their back. It's actually interesting. A bunch of them, some were animatronic, some were real, and some of them were actually um, uh, little people. Uh, they were actual uh, dwarf actors uh, who dressed like penguins. You know, those those cybernetic eye things the penguins had, do you think those were a critical part of their targeting system, or do you think that was just for show, because the penguin wanted them to look as terrifying as possible? I think the penguins were kind of intelligent, or at least we were supposed to believe that the penguins were intelligent enough to operate their own machinery. I don't know. Well, you know, the penguins were intelligent enough to raise a human child and teach it English. And how do they teach a human child about the birds and the bees? That's no, no, no. I think English and stuff like that happened after he'd been captured by the circus and put on the freak show. Because when he was there, they find, like, doing research on the penguin... Uh, Bruce Wayne finds newspaper clippings about the penguin or the flipper-handed boy or whatever he was going under. I think it was the penguin boy. Um, and it talks about him actually like the a circus having to go underground or having to like flee after uh, children started disappearing in one of the towns. And I think it was like, Jesus. Because at the same time, he was probably acting out against his own hatred of what was done to him and wanted to punish parents you know something else I, I noticed if this film had been made today and was a lesser superhero movie 
there would be nothing. There would that's all that as, as Batman's getting together the research about the Penguin Boy and his life in the circus. There would be constant references to the Killer Croc and the Amazing Graysons. Oh God, I know, right? If only they were actually supposed to have Harvey Dent in this movie, played by Billy Dee Williams. Yes, in this it was supposed to be the same character in throughout, and he was going to somewhere near the end or. Somewhere he was actually going to appear and toss a coin, but eventually it got written out along with uh, a black Robin. There was supposed to be an African-American kid who was going to be the Robin for the series if they did a third movie. And the Robin was going to be played by Marlon Wayans. Um, huh. A young Marlon Wayans. Right, at the time. Let's give him a break. He was younger. That could, well, the thing is, that possibly could have worked. But I think he's a mechanic. It's good with having less characters in the film. It already has a lot of characters in it. I mean, one thing a lot of comic book fans, I'm not a, I'm not that familiar with the Batman comics, but aren't the origins for Catwoman and Penguin in this film pretty different from what had been in the comic book? Well, Catwoman, Catwoman's origin changes every couple of years. Catwoman has never really had a consistent origin. Sometimes she's a former hooker. Sometimes she's just this mysterious avenging woman of the night. Sometimes she's a thief. Sometimes she's a street kid. She's never really had a consistent origin look or attitude, other than just having a cat motif and a, and a sultry, sultry, sexy personality. Um... Whereas as far penguin. as Penguin goes, this is a very divergent Penguin from the comics. Because, like, in this, in this one, the Penguin is this grotesque mutant guy. Uh, in the comics, the Penguin was, just, was really just kind of a gangster with the fetish for umbrellas and a kind of Penguin-like look because he had a fondness for... He had a big nose and a fondness uh, for tuxedos. No, he also was really big into birds. Well, yes, he had a thing for birds. Um, but also, I mean, they if you look at... What happened because of this movie, if you look at the Batman Adventures, that um, box ran. Uh, or oh, the Warner cartoon, Brothers. you mean? Yeah, the, the cartoon. animated series, yeah. Originally, Penguin was supposed to have the Iceberg Lounge and was supposed to be more of a gangster type. But because of the movie, they had to redesign the character to look a lot more like Danny DeVito. Uh, I don't believe he had the flippers on the cartoon, correct? No, he, he did have the flippers. He had these three pointy hands... And the and the, the pointy nose and messed up teeth. Mm. And then also a, uh, Batman or whatever it was that the WB ran. Uh, he is much more grotesque. Uh, at least he has a little bit more of a debonair character. The Batman, the, the one called the Batman, is the more recent one from maybe like five years ago, right? Oh lord, at like three. Oh okay. Awful. I've heard Batman Brave and the Bold isn't a bad series. Batman Brave and the Bold is fantastic, provided you do have a sense of humor about the DC Universe and really just enjoy enjoy this whimsical expression of superhero fantasy. Of particular interest will be the episode starring Neil Patrick Harris as the Music Meister. It's an entire musical episode of Batman Brave and the Bold. It's amazing. You know what? I really prefer uh, JLA United. I really like the Unlimited series that they did, Jail Unlimited. Um, that was more, I like that team up more than this new Batman one. I think it's a little too kiddy for me. And I don't like the voice actor who does Batman either. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was great on uh, the Drew Barry show. Uh, the, 
Oh, God. Drew. The Drew Carey Show. Okay, thank you. The Drew Carey Show. But I can't stand his voice coming out of that face. Anyway, can we just talk? I, the only one, that, the only thing that I really want to talk about is the device of the nine lives. Go for it. So the cats things... are known to have nine lives, as the no, they're rumored to have nine lives according to old folk tales and. and it's because you know, of how quick they are and how quickly they get out of somewhere where there's danger. Um, it's their survival instinct, and people think, oh. If a cat was in a bu- uh, building that exploded, oh, but you see that same cat, or one that looks like it, then that cat's still <laughs> alive, and it used up one of its lives to get away from whatever happened. The idea is then transferred in a mystical connection that Selena Kyle has to her uh, cat friends. They give their lives, or give their power, like a totem, unto Catwoman. Because of this, she gets hurt a bunch of times and close to death, but she escapes by the uh, what's it by the by she escapes by the scruff of her neck or by um, skin of her teeth. Uh, I believe. Teeth. Thank you. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. Uh, the first time she's thrown off a building and lands in a uh, catnip, uh, like a, a a greenhouse that somebody's growing cat, <laughs> uh, and probably some other things. The second time. Uh, or actually, the first time she is really when she falls from the window after being pull, uh, pushed. Um, so the third time is when uh, is when she's thrown off a building. She again falls <laughs> uh, into a kitty litter truck. Okay, I, I, I something that has always bothered me. I need to point this out because um, remember that it's snowing through most of the. Bat, in, in, uh, Gotham is a very snowy, rainy place. Why would you deliver kitty litter, bulk kitty litter, in a giant open-top truck when there's going to be a lot of precipitation? I actually think that it might have not just been... I think maybe that's what they use on their roads. I... No, you use... Well, no, because that would, that would only make the roads worse if you wanted to de-ice them. You don't use kitty litter to de-ice roads. That would no, be but you, use you would just make a slurry that would make the roads more dangerous. It's meant Very to be a. It's meant to be a joke, a sight gag. Every time she dies, there's something. Oh, she's saved by something associated with cats. Except in the end, the penguin has trapped Max Shrek and is putting his entire plan into motion. Uh, Catwoman's there as well because she wants Shrek because he murdered her. Shrek the gets out time. by by helping by getting help from Monkey. I'm sorry. Did you have something, Thrasher? No, I'm just saying she, he killed her the first time. You killed her the first time, yes. I do want to say at this climax of the movie, just the way the Penguin, instead of being in his uh, business suits and top hat, looks really pathetic in a pair of lawn underwear and spewing up bile everywhere from his mouth. <laughs> it's it's such a good... Uh, like, he looks so awful, and you just... <laughs> he's so evil-looking. It's really great. He even... To get the kids to, like, have them follow him into this slurry of uh, radioactivity that's coming through the sewer. Well, do, we, do we even know it's radioactive? I mean, isn't it's it just green and it glows. Do you think that's meant, the whole thing of the penguins in the sewer is meant to be some sort of meta Ninja Turtles joke? No. No. Just a coincidence. I think, I think they just needed a creepy lair full of ar- archways and water, and they didn't want to give him, like, a. they didn't want him shacking up in an abandoned zoo. It's like the Phantom of the Opera. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which clearly would have inspired Burton. Um, but then the greatest thing is that last scene, because in the real life, uh, Bruce Wayne has kind of fallen for Selena Kyle, who's come out of her shell. Um, and, and they both realize, after dancing with each other, because uh, of wounds they've left as their alter egos, that, oh God, they're both enemies. And they're actually dancing together, and, and Selena Kyle whispers, are, are, do we fight now? <laughs> and the idea that now, like, they had such passion as humans, but when they're in their costume, they're so dynamically opposed. Uh, and then, well, you know, in that scene, there's there's a line that's used in, in the scene where they're dancing, and another line that's used when Batman and Catwoman have an encounter on the rooftop, where, you know, uh, there's, like, mistletoe, and Catwoman makes a comment about kissing under the mistletoe, and Batman's like, you know, mistletoe uh, is, uh, is, is poisonous, it's deadly. And then Catwoman says, a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. What does that even mean? That is just <laughs> a, such a pointless, oh, the audience will lap this up kind of exchange. Lap there this up. Some Catwoman, I like that. Uh, she actually licks him on the nose and really, uh, ugh, wow. Um, yeah, do. But the cool thing is, is when she goes after Shrek, after Shrek's been released, she pulls off her mask. And he's like, Selena Kyle, I should have known. How? How could you have known? Because there was well, no body. Uh, uh, well, because he's probably smart enough to know that if you push someone out a window and no one ever finds the body and you personally don't dispose of it, then that person's out there getting revenge on you. Well, she comes back to work the next day. I love that scene where she comes back to work. Now, at the end of this movie, how doesn't the penguin just fall and drown in the sewer? Can't wait. Can that? Can we wait on that? Okay. Because the best part about it is, is Max Shrek. He used a gun uh, from one of the downed clowns to, to shoot Selena Kyle. Shooty the clown. But before that, though, the penguin is, is basically, he's wounded by, what, uh, oh, God, what? Oh, he gets shot. Doesn't he get shot by Shrek? At some point, he gets shot. It would have to be Shrek. Because yeah. he's got, like, black goo coming out of his mouth. But the best part of it is when she takes off her mask, Batman rips off his, which makes me think, wait, that thing can't be uh, knife-proof. He grabs it by the neck and rips the hood off. Like, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed like Batman? <laughs> he is Batman, you fool. I like that he doesn't even get it. That's how well-crafted the Bruce Wayne persona is. Because why would a millionaire dress like a fool, like a bat, and fight crime? That's or be a circus part. and clowns. Yeah. And... The thing I love is when uh, the penguin, it, Selena Kyle gets shot a bunch of times, and she's counting down, and there's not enough rounds. She's still got one life left. She grabs a taser that her characters had throughout the movie, pushes him up against the Transformer, and gives him a kiss on, uh, on Christmas Eve. No, is it Christmas Eve or New Year's? I think it's New Year's at that so she, she gives him a kiss and basically fries Shrek. And you see his hair go up and it's Christopher Walken basically getting fried. When uh, Batman's able to get past her, uh, the damage of the Transformer, he sees that only Shrek's body's there. And there's a really cool scene. Um, and then Penguin comes in and he's like, he wants to kill Batman. He's like dying in his last movie, he wants to kill Batman. He pulls an umbrella 
and it's an umbrella meant to entice the kids, not the gun umbrella. <laughs> he picked the wrong umbrella. That's why you got to label your gadgets. He wants to get another umbrella, but he's like, after I have a drink of ice-cold water, and basically face plants onto the ground, and the penguins, all dwarf stuntmen, basically, like, with their wings in these penguin costumes, push him into the water. It's, it's, that part actually made me cry. Even though he's a, a terrible person, wanted to kill children and bit off a guy's nose and wanted to and almost kill Catwoman. Um, I really, I felt really bad at that part. Did you? I, I, I felt it was a little bit over the top that the penguins give it. Well, then again, the penguins have done so many amazing things. I guess a funeral procession isn't all that over the top. They give him a traditional penguin burial. Um, to an certain, like, well, I guess it, like, if it wasn't for all the evil things he had done, I probably would have a bit of sympathy in, for him in that moment. I'm more on your side, Chip. I, I found that scene pretty um, kind of touching and memorable. And But even though the Penguin does such awful things throughout the movie, uh, the combination of the music and the sort of gentleness in which the Penguins uh, help him into the down in the water, pushes, pushing him off, uh, seems to work for me. And, and you also have earlier in the film a lot of weird flirtation between the Penguin and the Catwoman. No, there's lust. The, the Catwoman it, It's lust, but I mean, thank penguin. God there wasn't a scene at the end of this film where the Catwoman is pregnant with the Penguin's baby. No, but we do get to see a scene that was done in post-production. Because uh, there's like the idea, oh, maybe she's still out there instead of atomized by the electricity. Because um, that's how electricity works. <laughs> yes, with atoms. Um, everything works with atoms. But uh, Bruce Wayne sees a black cat, and he rushes out thinking the shadow is Catwoman, and it's just a regular tabby. Um, but you get to see the bat signal up in the sky and the clouds that are always over Gotham, because I'll say you to see the, the bat signal. And you get to see Catwoman basically rise on a rooftop. And, hey, that opens it up for a trequel. Well, I mean, like, the a Catwoman spinoff at that point was planned with Michelle Pfeiffer. It just never turned out that way. It didn't, you know, that... there wasn't a Catwoman spinoff until uh, a decade later with Halle Berry. Uh, that, a Catwoman movie with Michelle Pfeiffer would have been, I'm sure, would have been amazing. I, with I the right know. director, of course, possibly Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall? <sighs> Ah, Marshall. She, she can do. She can do empowered women films. But an action karate movie, a la. Give her a chance. Oh God! I almost said a la Electra. No, no. <laughs> get out! Chun get Lee, out now! Chun Li, Legend of a Street Fighter. Is that better? Um, Chris Klein is pretty hilarious in it. I don't think he's meant to be, but I mean. I never saw Catwoman. I've always meant to. I haven't either. I refuse to because Halle Berry's a much better actress than that's deserved. I, I've seen it. Halle Berry is much better than that movie deserves, and she gives a performance that's much better than that movie deserves. Um, but it's a terrible movie. Uh, it, uh, I will say this, though. The villain in the Catwoman movie is actually a perfect Batman villain. The villain, it really is a amazing villain. Costume or guy? Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, well, it's this perfect psychologically tortured uh, Batman villain. She's she's like this. She's this you know fashion cosmetics big wig. She used to be a model. She's obsessed with maintaining her looks and maintaining her youth, to the point where she started using. There's this beauty product that is going. This okay. This is the, the part of the shitty part of the Catwoman movie. The main sort of villainous plot is that a a cosmetic like a face cream that's been like tested on animals and isn't safe is going to be sold on the market. Like that's it. It's a, a a shitty product is going to be sold. That's the villain's master plan. No, it's like the Joker. Remember the Joker's makeup? Yeah, yeah but that's not what the woman in, in the Catwoman movie is doing. She's not trying to get some elaborate revenge. She's just trying to sell a shitty product. But the thing <laughs> is, she's been using the product on herself since it first started and since it was first really fucked up. And the short of it is that she's used so much of this cream that she's addicted to it, and it's so thoroughly saturated her skin, her skin has become like, her skin is like supple and smooth, but it also can take on the hardness of leather. She has low-level invulnerability because of how this chemical has changed her skin. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so she could actually take... She can take like all the punishment Catwoman can dish out because her 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 skin cannot t- take the damage. And like how much that, would it have been? How much cooler would it have been if it was the same makeup that Clayface was using? That would have been pretty cool, although they've never used Clayface in a film, which is a shame. He's one of my favorite villains. Yeah, same with the Mad Hatter. Well, I think and with the Mad Hatter, you might run into something where it's kind of like. Uh, the Riddler, where it's a character where a lot of people might perceive it as being a Joker ripoff. Well, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Had- is that, like lousy screenwriters, and and everyone wants to play the Joker. So as a result, when you're not playing a villain that's the Joker, you'll start trying to play it like the Joker. Like look at Batman and Robin. Everyone in that movie acts like they're trying. Like the Joker was the part they really wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. We, I think we've talked quite a lot about uh, Batman Returns. It's uh, about time to wrap it up. So, final thoughts on uh, Batman Returns, uh, Thrasher? Uh, I think it's a wonderful movie. Uh, I of, of Tim Burton's Batman films, it is my favorite. I, I do... It's really hard. You know, I really, it's hard for me to pick... Uh, you know, when coming, like, coming into this... My plan was to say that number two is my favorite, but Tim Burton's Batman was the better film. But now I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's it's very well crafted. It's very enjoyable. Has this perfect cast. Uh, I really do enjoy it. It's it's well worth seeing. And this is also the last Batman movie you're going to see before the series uh, starts to tank. Oh yeah, I have to agree. It's it's next episode is going to be full of rants. <laughs> I think that could be rage. So much it's going to be about rage and broken promises. Batman Returns holds up much better than uh, Batman 1989 does. You know, I think it has really strong uh, lead performances, has a better music score. It's uh, better in just about every way than the uh, first Batman film. I uh, highly recommend it. Um, you know, it, it is a bit a bit weird, and sometimes the humor might feel a little bit out of place. But you uh, always have that going into a Tim Burton film, Batman or not. So uh, next week, be sure to join us when we talk about 
the uh, Batman Forever. Batman Forever, the Schumacher showpiece. Uh, that didn't oh. work. Of course, I, of course, I like to call it the day the heroes died. <laughs> no, no, I like to call it Batman if he were an Indian. No, no, I'm sorry, Native American. Wait, what? <laughs> no, because Val Kilmer wants to be a Native American. What the every hell movie. are you talking about, Shrek? <laughs> every movie. <laughs> what, he has a thing with the totems in Batman Forever? He has the... Yes! We'll talk, about that. we'll talk about he that. He has the totem. Next he has week. the, uh, in every, okay, the in the doors, yeah. he sees crazy uh, ghost of an Indian. And then in um, that, not Braveheart, it's like called Thunderheart. He plays an FBI who finds out that he's like 116th uh, a Sioux. <laughs> I've never seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay. So we, can, we can do another podcast called the Kilmer Cast, where oh. we'll do every Kilmer movie. Oh. Oh, God, if only. If only I had the software. Yeah, so until next time, this is Uncle Milkshake. And Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Or in this case, Chip Shrek. Chip Shrek. Lest you forget. Until next time. Meow.